Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. So, Aaron, we've uh, ha had a discussion recently on how to do something in, in our Laravel project. And I, I just thought it'd be a good topic for the podcast because we... We like to have, at least internally, have sort of rules why we do this versus that. And it just, it makes things consistent and it kind of takes away some mental burden of having to think it through each time. So I'll set up the topic, kind of get everybody up to speed with what we've been discussing. And then we can we can talk through what our, our reasoning or our rule is as a result of this. So I like it that you make it sound so like that we have just lovely discussions and that wasn't an oh. argument. It was an argument. <laughs> um no it was a discussion yeah i was gonna say i didn't think it was an argument but maybe i'm the problem then <laughs> <laughs> um okay so the the idea is when if you have some calculated piece of data and I'll, I'll give a tangible example in a second but if you have some tangible or some calculated piece of data do you every time you need that data calculate it in code or do you store the calculated value in a field in the database? And so, um, am I setting I up? The I think. I mean, I think. I think um, when you say calculated data for the specific avenue we're going to go down, we're going to say more like, um, like a calculated business label or rule, right? Because right. there are differences between like calculated data, like what's the tax on this, sure, right, um, yeah. versus like a calculated business rule. Is this pending or not? Okay. Yeah. So that, that leads in nicely to, to just the kind of a tan one tangible example. So everybody's on the same page as us. So let's say that you had a payment table. So the payment transitions through different statuses. It, initially it's requested. Maybe the person who's being requested to make a payment refutes it. Of course, the payment at some point gets paid. And then there's like a settling process where the, the payment is transferred you know, from the middleman out to the person actually being paid. So, mm -hmm. so in our particular scenario, there's four states. It's not a one-way flow. Things can kind of go back and forth between states, but that's the basic idea. So do you put a status field in the payment table or do you just have like a status, get status attribute on the payment model where you look at other fields to determine what the status is? Well, you might look at other fields or on the same model or other things in application. Sure. I mean, yeah. it doesn't, I mean, you're being, it doesn't really matter where that data comes from. It could be anywhere, but is it calculated at the time of retrieval or is it stored in a database? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there's an, I guess there's a couple of reasons why you would do both. First of all, I think about when you do like the calculated reason, it could be that maybe that's not um, checked very often or that rule is changing or. Um, I can think of another I, reason. Maybe sure. you only start out with two states and you're like, oh, 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 this is simple. And then all of a sudden you have four. That's probably a better example because I was like, you know, I'm going to argue for the other reason. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm having a hard time coming up with things. Now. <laughs> I, I, well, before we get into like the reasons for putting it in a column. Mm -hmm. um, I'll talk about what how this kind of bit me. Um, we were working on displaying this information, uh, something like a Nova, for example. Mm -hmm. And if you want to display it, well, we didn't have to have another piece of data because we had all the data we needed in order to give them a business-related thing. So like, yep. if there was like a refuted um, explanation or if there was a, a, a Stripe transaction ID or whatever, we knew that those things 
we knew what they meant in data, but the mm-hmm. business wouldn't really understand that. So we would we were we were able to calculate at the time of viewing um, what the status is or what's the state of this this payment is for yeah. for the for the business users, mm-hmm. um, and that was fine and great inside of Nova. Um, until um, we wanted to maybe build a filter or um, we wanted to do authorization on some of our API endpoints. Mm-hmm. And we had to start um, checking, uh, re- retrieving information and seeing if it you know, belonged to certain users and whatnot. Now, there was, there's two ways to obviously do this. You could retrieve everything about the model um, or you could retrieve everything that would get the proper model, retrieve that into a model and then check that attribute, that calculated attribute. Or you could just do an exist query where you would filter on like mm-hmm. if the state is this, then it exists good enough. I don't need to retrieve the whole model and filter and hydrate it and whatnot. I'm just doing yeah. an authorization check. Mm-hmm. Um, since it was calculated though, uh, <laughs> we really couldn't uh, t- check that, and so yeah. this this logic ended up being like duplicating the status calculation in these little queries, mm-hmm. and that that became a problem. Yeah. For sure. I, I felt the pain too. And I was the one who originally created it as a calculated um, attribute on the model. And it's like, ah, oh, this is like, so the more places you use it or the more different statuses you have or the more complexity there is in calculating it, like all of these things are where you start to feel the pain. Yeah. The, the more complex calculating it, the more times you have to calculate it, mm-hmm. like that more expensive that is. Yeah. And it's not hard at first when you're just checking to see if certain properties exist. But if it is like a, you know, a sort of situation where you have to check other models and maybe even a third party, well, then, then, it, then it can be a problem. Yeah. Um, and then of course, the other thing is when you want to query on that or filter on that, especially in something like Nova too, you really can't easily do that. <laughs> well, and, and just one more place that bumped into us. So, we had some queries set up and query scopes to do things like in the controller to filter results. But then we also wanted to expose this as a field in the resource that's being returned. And it's like, well, you can't really use that query scope. Like, like I, I essentially had to duplicate right. the logic. And that, that was at that point, we knew like this was definitely the wrong decision. And then you had to unwind it. But yeah, so there's all these different places where it came up. When you say we, you mean you knew. I I, I knew on the last pull request. <laughs> yeah, dang it, Joel. Like this is so wrong. It, well, it wasn't until I personally felt the pain, Aaron, <laughs> that I decided it was something that had to be corrected. There is a opposite um, side of this to consider, though, which is if you're developing like a sort of state or status of something, does that state or status change? for existing objects if the business rules change. So I'll use a good example. Um, Let's just say it's user onboarding, right? Mm -hmm. In January, the onboarding is I need the name, email address. I need them to verify their email. I need them to enter in three pieces of demographic information. And then when that's finished, they're onboarded. So you could track that they're onboarded when they finish that, when they add in that, that, you know, another screen where they add in the rest of the information, mm-hmm. or you could have a, you know, calculated tribute that says they're onboarded if these pieces of information are not empty. Right. Um, the, the question then becomes more of almost a business related question, which is, let's just say we add on another screen for mm-hmm. onboarding two more pieces of information are all the existing users now not onboarded. Because if you use the calculated thing, they're going to be not not onboarded yeah. Yeah. unless you do some sort of date magic and all, uh, it's just going to be. I you can't know. imagine you ever adding like three more nested <laughs> ifs with hard coded right. dates in there. Just that would never right. happen. 
Right. Um, and so that, that might be a reason why you have like an onboarded field because yeah. yes, at the time of the onboarding process that they completed, they were onboarded and now you need new information. But, but if it's something a little less final as onboarded, you might mm-hmm. have like, is profile complete? You mm-hmm. might then use a calculated field because you might uncomplete people's profiles a little bit um, for for like showing on like a dashboard and saying, hey, yeah. you have more to more to fill in. And so that is profile complete maybe wouldn't be shown to them, but it would be like a field that you check to see then what is the next step that they're required to do. Yeah, no, that, that's another good place where this decision comes up and what might influence what your decision is. I think the final thing to talk about then too is like, how would you how would you keep this field up to date? Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, again, talks about those sort of events and um, observers and all those different things that we talked about in a previous episode. I struggle with the exact way to apply this because it really just depends, again, on w- what the field's context is that you're updating. Right. Yeah. So if it's based off information, maybe it's... Um, it's an observer, but if it's mm-hmm. based off users' actions, maybe it's issued from an event and updated in controllers and stuff. Because mm-hmm. there have been situations where I've built something where someone who updated a model in an admin screen didn't necessarily trigger the event because an admin, while they were filling out the data in the in the model and they're authoritative, they didn't take the action. So you would hate right. for the user to get a message saying like, "You've updated your email," and they're like, right. "No, I didn't." Yeah. And so there's a, there's a, a difference there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's something you have to consider on each particular or uh, yeah. on each scenario. I was watching Jay Leno car show the other day. Okay. And one of the, one of the segments they have is like, this is your automotive life. And they put people in front of a garage door and then they beep the car horn and then they start the car and the person has to guess like which car out of their history that was. Okay. All right. Um, and some people can identify it from the car horn, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think about it. Like I had a 78 Impala that I think if I heard that horn, I would definitely recognize that. <laughs> but but what, what I find interesting is like, why aren't there more pitches to car horns? I mean, they, they pretty much all sound the same. Actually, I was just thinking like, I think it's a Tesla thing. You can use any MP3 as your horn. Oh, I thought they stopped that. Up? Oh, did they stop they, that? Because, because like people were playing like not good things in crowds. <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine somebody doing that. But no, that's I, that's, that's a good question, Aaron. I don't know. Yeah, I don't mean like playing a whole song or anything like that. But mm-hmm. like you know, all horns are like eh. like why why isn't there why isn't there a different sound? Well, you know, what's really bad is like the backing up sound, mm-hmm. um, you know, like beep, beep, beep. There are some studies done that say that like those higher pitch loud noises, it's really hard to actually detect what direction they're coming from <laughs> um, for people, I guess. Like, and so okay. this entire time we've been doing it wrong. And so now um, they put on like the newer trucks have this like white noise, which sounds like some sort of cat dying. Oh, so so I- when they back up, it's like, ah. Yeah, the Amazon trucks in our neighborhood have that. And every time I hear it, I'm like, what is that? <laughs> What's dying? Yeah. Well, I think you just solved a mystery for me, Aaron, because the, the high pitch thing and not being able to uh, detect the direction it's coming from. There was some crew working in our neighborhood 
And they had the backup sound going for like 30 minutes at a time. And I even <laughs> stepped outside my house. I'm like, where is this coming from? I took a lap around our whole neighborhood. I couldn't identify it. It ended up being our neighbor, but it was like a crane or something in their backyard because they were doing work on the roof. But it, wow, that drives you nuts. I could hear it inside the house, but no idea where it was coming from. You're such an old man. Oh, I heard a sound and I took a, I took a lap around the neighborhood just to see. I was going to take a walk anyways, but then I had a, a secondary mission. You're looking for a little bit more knowledge drop from Joel and Aaron? Well, we can help you out with that. We put together a free ebook with many more tips that are little bite-sized chunks of information. Go to masteringlaravel.io and download the free tips ebook today.